No, it's not. Now it is. How about that? Yeah, nothing like that. Now you can hear me, or I can say to you, good morning, Grace people. It's so good to be with you here today, despite our little technical difficulties. You know, we're coming in now to what I call the back stretch of summer. I know summer goes on all the way into September, but there's something about that transition from August into September that just speaks of the end of summer. As school gets started and new activities begin, we just kind of get into that mindset. So as we're coming into the end of this summer, we need to realize that we've taken a journey off the map. That's been the journey we've been talking about over the course of this summer, a journey off the map and into the mountains, into the unknown, into the places that we're not familiar with. And because of this new place and these new challenges, we need some new habits. And so we started off this summer by talking about some of those new habits that we needed to develop. And from there, we moved on to talking about the tools that we need to make the best of being in the mountains. We want to have the right tools in our backpack. We want to make sure that we're supplied with everything that we need to be able to continue on this journey. And a few weeks ago, we started talking about those tools by starting off with joy. They need to have joy with us. And not just any kind of joy, not just the happiness that comes in different types of circumstances in our lives. We're thankful for those things, but the joy that sustains us is the joy that comes in the Lord. That's the joy that we need to continue on this journey. And then we moved on to talk about gratitude, a heart of gratitude, thanksgiving to God for all that he has given to us. That attitude of thanksgiving carries us so far in those circumstances when we look around and go, boy, things are not turning out the way that I expected. This is not what I thought things were going to look like. But gratitude can help to carry us forward on this journey. Then last week, Pastor Angie talked about kindness, in particular, the Jesus kind of kindness. It's not the kindness that we think of when we think of Minnesota nice, of just being nice to people when in the background you're really not caring for them. We're talking about the kindness that comes through Jesus, the kindness that speaks well of our neighbor, the kindness that defends and confronts those who are are working in injustice, instead bringing that that spirit of, of joy, that spirit of gratitude, and that spirit of genuine kindness, a fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. So joy, gratitude, and kindness, that brings us to the next tool in our toolbox. And as you've been hearing this morning, that next tool is hope. Now, when I say the word hope, there's different versions that come into our minds about what hope is. Now, many of us might think of hope as being, well, it's just kind of a wish or a dream. You're you're hoping for something. You're wishing that maybe something would turn out some particular way, or you've got this dream that if if that would happen, boy, wouldn't that be great. That's what hope seems to mean so often in our earthly sense of it. And you know, it's real. Sometimes that, that hope is for things that, that are really important to us. It might be hoping for an end to COVID. It might be hoping for, for justice to, to take hold and take root in the hearts of people. Those are good things to hope for, but when they're in that context of just kind of being a dream or a wish out there, well, it's not quite the same. You know, I've, I've been hoping during the course of spring and on into summer that this fall, my wife and I would get to see my middle son, Ethan, in his final marching band season at the University of Minnesota. We've been hoping, hoping each week as time went by, hearing the changes and the plans until just this last week when we got notice that there will be no fans in the stands for any of the Gopher football games this fall. That means we're not going to be able to be in person 
to see Ethan play his last marching band as a part of the University of Minnesota marching band. It was disappointing. Absolutely was disappointing. It was hard on both Angela and myself. But that's the kind of things that happen with our, our earthly wishes and dreams when we put hope in that context. But there's another version of hope. There's a hope that is described in the Bible, and it's connected to faith. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So hope is right there in the midst of faith. And I don't think it would come into that place unless hope was something important. It wasn't just something that's fleeting or a dream or a wish. There must be more to hope than that. And I believe there is. I believe as we look at faith, we understand that hope is the raw material of faith. It's what faith is built upon. It starts in that ground of hope, that basic level of simple trust. But we also know that in the circumstances we're living in, well, hope can be hard to come by. And it's not just for us. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You hear the contrast there? When our hope gets put off again and again and again, what makes us heart sick? And if you feel like, well, boy, maybe I'm really not supposed to be heart sick because pastor's saying that that's not the way we're supposed to live. Well, listen, let me tell you something. All of us face that type of heart sickness from time to time. None of us are immune to it. In fact, the characters in the Bible, some of the ones who we look up to as heroes, well, they dealt with heart sickness too. Today, I want to talk about one particular example of that, and it's the example of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, when we think of John the Baptist and read the stories of John the Baptist, we see this fiery prophet, this man filled with the power of God, proclaiming clearly to the people of Israel their need to repent and be baptized, to come down and reject that which they had believed and instead trust in the true God of the universe, the God who desires justice and, and desires good to come from his people for the benefit of others. And he knew that he was a forerunner. He was just the one who was going to come again to, to, to pave the way, to come to the beginning and pave the way for Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, well, he made it clear that that's who he was referring to. He looked to Jesus and said, Ah, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Those are big, bold statements a man filled with faith, a man declaring powerfully to those around him that Jesus is coming. Wow, what a preacher, what a prophet. But as the story continues, John gets arrested and he's thrown into jail. And in the jail that he's in, there is isolation and separation, suffering, weariness, and despair, all of those things come into John's reality as well. And then we hear this story of a little different perspective of John. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, it says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah... He sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one 
who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Do you hear that loss of hope in John's words? I do. He knew who Jesus was. He had proclaimed and declared who Jesus was. But now in this place of isolation, separation, and suffering, John's starting to question. So John sends some of his disciples to go to Jesus and to simply lay out the question, Jesus, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we be looking for someone else? That's real. That's a real heart being expressed of the kind of pain and suffering and despair and separation that is a reality in the life of John. And I think it's a reality in the lives of many people today. As we've stepped into this COVID season and we've taken this journey on into the mountains, everything has shifted and changed so quickly. People's lives have been shaken. People have been cut off from one another in the relationships that they come to know and love. Believe me, I know you feel it. We feel it here in this room with just a few people that's normally filled with so many of you. It's changed so quickly and so greatly. And when things change so quickly and so greatly, well, heart sickness and hopelessness can become a part of that journey. Some of you may know that my wife, Angela, and I recently took a trip out to Colorado. We took our first journey to Rocky Mountain National Park. Got to see the beauty of the mountains, explore the, the joy of what everything looked like out there. We left Minnesota early on a morning and flew out to Denver, Colorado, and then rented our car. And from Denver, we drove up to the place that we would be staying in Estes Park, then we spent the night, and the next day we hopped back in the car, and we drove up to something called the Trail Ridge Road, the highest continuous paved road in the United States, over 12,000 feet high. Uh, we got up there, we got out of the car, we looked around, we explored a little bit. We took a brief journey up something called Huffer's Hill, which if you take a few steps on it, you know why. <laughs> we got back in the car, made our way back down to our cabin in Estes Park. And that's where things started to go sideways. Angie and I, both getting out of the car, went into the cabin, and we were both feeling really tired. A different kind of tired, not just a tired out of having a long day, but something else. So we both thought it would be a good idea to lay down for a nap. So I grabbed my spot on the couch, and Angie grabbed a spot on the bed, and the next thing you know, an hour had passed by. When I awoke, I was still feeling kind of groggy and maybe not 100%, but I looked over at the bed where Angie was laying and I could tell that something was very different for Angela. She could barely open her eyes. She was in pain. She had been shaking and trembling. She had nausea in her stomach and ultimately had to throw up a couple of times. She had a raging headache. At first glance, we thought, well, maybe this is some kind of alien sickness that just come on her, but it didn't take much research to discover what this really was. It was altitude sickness. All the symptoms lined up for altitude sickness. You see, we had gone from 812 feet above sea level, which is where Minneapolis is, 
to over 12,000 feet in less than 36 hours. Things changed very rapidly. The change was stunning and sharp and quick and great, and we didn't know how to handle it because our bodies weren't used to it. And the only cure for dealing with altitude sickness is to get to a lower altitude, to get to something more normal, something that you're more accustomed to. So that's what we did. We booked a couple nights in a hotel in Fort Collins and we hopped into our vehicle and sped our way down the mountainside. And by the time we got down to the level of Fort Collins, Angie started feeling better. So we spent a night and a full day and another night in Fort Collins just to kind of feel that sense of normal. Friends, when things are this difficult, when people are feeling this change so quickly and so greatly, it's natural to get heart sick and it's natural to then wish that things would just get back to normal. We put our hope in the circumstances around us and say, oh, Lord, if it could just get back to the way it used to be, if it would just get back to normal, then everything would be fine. And we hope that that will restore our hope. But you see, hoping in our circumstances never sustains us. It's okay to hope for things. There's nothing wrong with hoping that COVID would be over. There's nothing wrong with hoping that things would get back to normal, but we can't place our hope there as God shows us. Why? Because we're not meant to place our hope in our circumstances. Our hope is in the promises and character of God. It's in the promises and character of who God is. It's in what he has declared to us as being true. It is in the case of who he genuinely reveals himself to be through Jesus and through his word. That's where our hope is. Our hope isn't in something that shifts and moves and changes all the time. Our hope is in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the solid promises of God and in his immutable character that never changes. That's where our hope is meant to be placed. And that's a hope that can't be shaken. Now, all of us feel shaken <laughs> because all of us are human. And the realities of things in our lives make hope feel hard to come by right now. And that's why it's so important that we turn to God. We turn to his word and we let his word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, fill us with hope. Romans 15 Verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God that fills us with joy and peace and gives us hope. That hope comes from his word, from his scriptures spoken to us. And it's restored by the Spirit of God through the word of God. So let's hear some words from God today, shall we? I've been talking enough. Let's hear some of what God has to say from his word about his promises and his character. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How about Isaiah 54, 10? Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Do you hear God's strength, his compassion, his power, his will and desire for you? That's where we place our hope. Psalm 103, verses two through five says this, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who couldn't use some renewal today? We need that. And this renewal and these promises and this character of God, it doesn't mean that we won't have to go through the struggles. It doesn't mean that the struggles just disappear. But it gives us strength to move through them because of who we put our trust in. And no better place reveals that than Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. That's where it is, friends. Paul is filled with that hope as he's describing this. And Paul is going through suffering, friends, just like you. And he doesn't hide it in this passage. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Demons, the present, the future, death, life, height, depth. All of these things are a part of our lives today. And they're always a part of our lives, but they are magnified today. And from that place, it can be so easy to just look at those circumstances and say, there's no way. And we lose hope. And we get our own version of altitude sickness. becomes an attitude sickness for us. But we can turn ourselves to God's word and feel his spirit speak to us and through us and into us to fill us with hope. We hope in the one who fills us with hope. 
Circumstances will never give that hope back to us. But God who loves us, who has given us all things, declares to us that his grace is enough and that his hope will come into our lives even in the midst of our suffering. Romans 5 puts it this way. This new type of hope lets us know that while we are in suffering, suffering leads to perseverance and perseverance to character and character to hope. And this kind of hope will not disappoint. God's hope never disappoints. God's word never fails us. Yes, we see suffering. And I don't want for one minute you to think that I'm trying to belittle the type of suffering that you're experiencing right now. Not at all. It's real. It's hard. And some people are falling into those places of hopelessness, feeling the isolation and the suffering and even the despair. And for some, this may be even more serious than others as we wrestle with depression and other forms of mental illness. My heart goes out to you, but more than that, God's spirit comes towards you to fill you with his hope through his word. Now I have an action step for you. Take that hope that you are hearing and receiving today and let it overflow to somebody around you. Take time this week to pray about that one person. There's somebody out there that God will place on your heart who is in need of hearing hope. And when God places that person on your heart, don't hesitate. Pick up the phone. Do a FaceTime with them. Send them a message. Let them know that you are praying for them and that God's hope is towards them in the Holy Spirit and his promises and his character are toward them as well. Be a beacon of that hope as the hope overflows through you. And as you are in need of that hope, receive it today and receive it as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us today, that, that gives us hope for tomorrow, that reminds us that we can't do this on our own and that in the shifting world around us that's changing so quickly and so greatly, Lord, while we desire for things to just get back to normal, Lord, instead we look to you, trusting that in the abnormal, in the difference, in the change, in the shifting of altitude, Lord, you are there with us by your Spirit. Fill us, Lord, with that spirit. Give us hope and peace this day and always. In Jesus' name, amen.